Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 274. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? Pretty good. This week on the show, we'll be doing a little bit of the year-end catch-up with a review of Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. It's been out for a minute, but uh, I'm trying to trying to get caught up with this year-end stuff. <laughs> yeah. And since it's, since it's one of the big ones, so I figured we should talk about it. Yeah. And for, you know, small town America, this is new. <laughs> this just came out here. <laughs> this is a new one. Uh, we'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list. New releases in theaters on VOD and on Blu-ray. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, let's just dive right into to Lady Bird. So this is written and directed by Greta Gerwig. I have a synopsis here. In the early 2000s, an artistically inclined 17-year-old comes of age in Sacramento, California. Kevin, I think we'll we'll start with you. This stars uh, Sorsa Ronan, Laurie Metcalf, Lucas Hedges is in there. Yeah, he's been he's been popping up in a lot of stuff lately. It seems. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he has. Tracy Letts plays the dad. So, Kevin, what'd you think of Lady Bird? Oh, so Ladybird, uh, number one, is I found it uh, immensely watchable. Just enjoyed myself. But at the same time, it seemed like it, that, that enjoyment was more so of the moment. Like as soon as the film was over and I was kind of walking out to the car. I was already forgetting large chunks of it. Like it didn't, didn't seem to have staying power. It didn't seem mm-hmm. to stay with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that hour and a half, great time in the theater. Enjoyed myself. I think a, a, a thing that might have bumped it up a little bit is because it was snowing out. It was the first snow of the year. You know, I was going to the movies, and there's just something about going to the movies in the daytime when it's snowing. Mm-hmm. It's just to me, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Hundred percent agree. So they had all that's going on, right? And you come out of the movie theater, snow still coming down, and it's just it was a good time. But I have to admit, like I said, there's like a this like twinge of it's kind of forgettable in in some ways. Still, overall, pretty solid movie, but uh, I don't see myself. kind of jumping up and down as it seems like everyone else is doing yeah uh it's a little curious to me every everyone's really really singing this this movie's praises i mean this is landing on everybody's top tens it's it's landing on number one spots on a lot of a lot of lists this year and i like the movie a lot i mean it'll certainly be in my top 25 i I thought that was it was immensely good at what it was looking to do. Uh, I thought that it crafted a really heartfelt and enjoyable coming of age story. I thought that all the characters were very relatable. I thought it was a really relatable story, even though it is about um, a, a a senior in high school. I I saw myself in a lot of the things that she was going through. And so it, it was, I thought a, a very relatable film in that regard. And 
I thought that the the script was definitely <laughs> on point for me too. I thought that it had the right balance of comedy and heart. I thought that there were a number of really touching moments. And I I, I think the the dynamic between Sorcerer Ronan's character and Laurie Metcalf, I thought was an amazing dynamic. You know, yeah. how these two were constantly at odds with one another, but you also kind of felt that love between them. Well, yeah. And I did, I, the, my favorite part of the, the writing is their, you know, how in the midst of kind of getting on each other's nerves and arguing, and kind of going at each other and like in a split second, it can just flip mm-hmm. to, you know, where they're being, you know, kind of happy with each other. Like that, uh, the sequence where they picked out that dress. Right. You know, they're, they're just bickering and going at each other and they're just irritated with each other. And then the split second, they're just, they're both so excited about this dress that they found. Which is funny because you don't see that a lot in movies, but it happens in real life. I mean, that's that's sort of how a lot of real life relationships work with people that you're closest to, you know, like your spouse or your brother or parents or yeah. sister, you know, th- th- that's sort of how that works in especially, real life. Especially in that time period where it's teenager and your parents. Right, exactly. I thought also like this, this t- I didn't realize that this took place in the early 2000s well, then, but this is this is like right around you know when, just, yeah, when you and i were graduating high school it's exactly going through the same kind of shit because i think i did read that that i think she gra- uh, graduated 2002 so it, it exactly links up to yeah how, how it was for us i don't know if i was watching that much 9-11 coverage as they were here uh, you probably were, man. Everybody was. Couldn't avoid it. I don't know. There's you, a lot of channels were, were, on my TV. <laughs> I, I have I have a feeling you weren't listening to that much uh, Dave Matthews band. Oh, fact, I sure uh, as hell was not. <laughs> in fact, I know I know for a fact since you and I were friends when we were seniors, we were neither of us were listening to that much Dave Matthews band. But it was I there. fully recognize. I mean, that was definitely. Uh, I think a product I, of its time. I think I do remember seeing someone on Twitter kind of pointing that out, like, "Oh, I don't know if Dave Matthews Band was still, you know, in at that time period." And I can attest to, and I'm sure you can too, uh, in our area, you know, where the pop radio stations are always essentially like ten years behind. That well, it was playing constantly. Yeah, I mean, it's. Right, that song, I don't know when that song came out, years before that, but it, it, that doesn't matter. Like that that song was still relevant. Like yeah. I mean, I pe- can, people I still listen to that song. I can turn on the radio now and probably from leaving my house and going to work, I'll probably hear that song now in 2017. But it's also one of these things where at least from what I remember when you are graduating high school, you have this sort of nostalgia. You, you you sort of take this nostalgic look back at your your high school career, so that so you do sort of rehash all like the, some of the the popular songs that that you experienced in high school. So so there's this little bit of a 
you know, time machine element to it as well. Yeah. At least they didn't play that. Uh, I, I, I mean, I've thought for sure they would have played the Green Day oh, the time, yes. time, of, time of your <laughs> life because that was right around when we graduated. And man, that was everywhere. I remember when when Ryan graduated, it was it was Vitamin C that the graduation song. Yeah, and then when we graduated, it was that Green Day song. Yes. Oh my god, that was fucking everywhere. I kind of forgot about that song. I'm so happy that it wasn't in this. <laughs> I know. Like, I'm glad it was. It, it was Crash. At least I could deal. I could deal with that. Yeah, I, I can definitely deal with Crash. I would have walked out if it would have been that Green Day song. <laughs> and they played it multiple times, too. <laughs> it's something unpredictable. <laughs> like, oh, come on. I did appreciate the the homecoming with the, the Bone Thugs and Harmony. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I loved that. Because uh, I'm sure that that was Bone Thugs and Harmonies. Like, when they got together as a group, I'm sure that that was, like, on their list of... You know, yeah, being successful, they're like, I really hope that we're played at homecomings at Catholic schools, Catholic school in Sacramento, <laughs> <laughs> with a what was it like a cowboy theme? Yeah, it was <laughs> a cowboy theme. <laughs> oh my god, it's so <sighs> perfect because I remember it. It did remind me of of school dances and just how. Just how ridiculous and weird all of them are, and because uh, it's funny because it's these adults trying to put together these things, and they're just so out of touch. Especially, I can't imagine how much more out of touch they are in a Catholic school, right? Exactly, compared to a public school. But uh, back to the movie. Uh, the main thing for me, I thought, was Laurie Metcalf. I thought her performance was just. I thought she was incredible. Yeah. That was one of maybe one of my favorite performances this year. Yeah, I thought she was incredible as well. Pretty much everyone. Let's, let's just, be honest. Because even yeah. Tracy Letts great. Uh, Ronan's great. Uh, even her friend uh, that played Julie, Beanie Feldstein, she was great too, I thought. Yeah, I, I loved that character. Absolutely. Which was kind of a, a little bit of a bummer. Which is, I mean, it's a good part of the of the screenplay of like this. There's all these transitions with Lady Bird. How you know she has her set of friends, and then she kind of slides into the popular group, and then she comes back out. And I thought that, that was one thing when she kind of transitioned into to the the popular kids. I kind of missed that with her and uh, Julie. Mm-hmm. The thing that I liked, the thing that I liked so much about it is that it wasn't a big, it wasn't a big moment in the film. It was just, it's sort of, she just sort of naturally slipped into this other group of friends. And unfortunately her current best friend was sort of neglected as a result. And, but they didn't make like a huge thing out of it. Like it wasn't like she was making all these plans and really struggling to get in with the popular crowd. It just sort of, it was just a natural thing. She just went in there and she just had this new group of friends. It felt very organic and like, sort of like how it really is when you're in high school where you, I mean, in high school, you have different groups of friends year to year to year, you know, a lot of times 
where you'll always have like your core group of friends usually, but a, a lot of times you have different people that you hang out with from year to year. And, you know, especially after you, you graduate and you have that, that other big uh, conflict of you're leaving your friends and you're moving away and going to school or you're just not, you know, you're going to work or whatever. And you just, you sort of, that chapter in your life is abruptly ended. I thought that all of that was handled in such a, just such a natural way that, that didn't feel as, as egregious as, as a lot of these kind of coming of age movies. Yeah. yeah. All the characters were, they were, uh, they're pretty well written. I especially enjoy it because there's a decent amount of comedy and my favorite part of the, the comedy aspect of it was the, uh, the guy Kyle and how mm-hmm. just ridiculous he was. He's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, Kyle. he's a total piece of shit. And he knew immediately when he's sitting there reading yeah. how and they're just like, kid's a douche. Know it. Yeah, feel of course. It. Feel it in my bones. He, yeah, he knew he was going to be a prick. I did, I, see, I, did, I did see the Cannibal Ox yeah, poster. Yeah, that's, that's what bummed me out, though. So he had the Cannibal Ox poster, and I was like, damn. Of course, the douchebags one has a Cannibal Ox poster. <laughs> yeah. I liked the... I really enjoyed the storyline with Lucas Hedges, too. Where yeah. that Where that went and how, they, and how she handled that, I thought that was a really nice addition which 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 is, is sort of the the thing that's so impressive about this movie is that like there's these kind of these little side plots that are happening there's these these moments there's these these problems that are occurring in these sort of tertiary characters these these smaller characters in her story and they're they're in there and they have, they all <laughs> affect her life in different ways but it's like the this conflict that they're having is so fully realized that i just i, I just thought that every every character that she interacted with had this it, it just felt a lot deeper than in, in in movies that are normally of this ilk yeah yeah and i also like how it was handled twofold in the sense that there's these issues that in in some movies they would be turned into these big dramatic moments, right? Exactly. And here they're kind of smaller, and but also how that plays into her character as being kind of you know selfish teenager, where the reason that they're kind of muted is she's so focused on her life and what's going on with her that these remain kind of small issues. Yeah. She still deals with them, but you know, they're not, you know, blown up into these big dramatic moments. Yeah, exactly. I I thought it was it was just uh it was great. I thought it was immensely entertaining and just it was so well made and Greta Gerwig, what a oh man. Well that's the other thing that I mean even kind of being not um overly enthusiastic as you know a lot of people that i've seen that you know are kind of talking about this movie still to realize that this is essentially a debut right or like a solo debut i should say the solo debut she did nights and weekends with swanberg but yeah but just on her own 
yeah have this you know be the first one out the gate uh, yeah pretty, I, 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 I thought impressive. it was really impressive yeah absolutely I, I do agree with you that i i wasn't as blown away as a lot of other people were with this i thought it was a great coming of age story i, I do like coming of age stories as most people know by now anyway but mm-hmm. like you said the the sort of the lasting power of this will i remember a lot of the key moments of this you know two two three years from now probably not probably not yeah because at its core it's still just sort of sort of your typical coming of age story it goes through the same motions as all of them do really yeah. it just does it just does it a lot better than yeah, yeah. most of the other ones it's, it's kind of this it's still like the same formula but yeah there's the same better, beats that occur you know just, she gets just better ingredients right yeah exactly so to that i just uh yeah i just there's a i don't know i don't know about you and your screening but there was like a number maybe it was just one specifically but there was like somebody like in the back that was just crying like a lot during this movie i mean i could see that maybe i don't don't know if that happened and if there was any tears flowing in yours well i can tell you that my um my theater was like five people oh (laughs) it's like five people Okay. So. <laughs> I was in a pretty full theater. I would hope it was so. A, it was a smaller one, but it was full. Uh, yeah. So, any any other uh, thoughts on Lady Bird? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think I, I have anything else either. Let's uh, let's give it a score. I'm gonna give Lady Bird. I'm gonna give it an eight. Okay. I'm gonna give it an eight it- out of ten. Definitely a seven, seven and a half. There you have it. Lady Bird is playing in theaters now, and I would recommend checking that out. Definitely. I don't think it's going to crack my top ten, but definitely it'll probably make its way into the to the top twenty-five. There you go. And this this has been like I was just I haven't come even close to finalizing my list yet, but looking at what I have, it's this has been a really impressive year. It's one of those years that just kind of crept up on me and I didn't really realize how strong of a year it was until I'm started looking back at all the releases and I'm just like, holy shit, there's see for like, me, I think a top ten is gonna be tough for me this year. See, for me it's I think it's it was kind of a down year overall, but I have noticed that for me looking through a lot of these titles is there's just a lot of solid like sevens and eights. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't this like, there wasn't this, uh, you know, this huge, like bunch of great movies. It was just mm-hmm. a lot of solid movies. Yeah. Which makes it even tough. Cause you get like all those sevens and eights together. They're, they're it's kind of interchangeable. So it's going to be a little difficult. Yeah. There wasn't, well, there there were a few that I thought like there there's going to be probably three that came out that will be my top three like no matter what like like Florida Project 
I don't think it's, it's a giant spoiler for my list, but I don't think anything's going to top the Florida project for me okay. for this year. But, you know, there's there's a couple that... But I, I will agree that there, there there were only a few for me that were just like, that is a cl- that is a classic to me. That is a standout. You know, I I absolutely loved it. I want to endlessly rewatch that one. There weren't that many of those, but there were a lot of ones that I thought were really really good. Anyway, that's that's all just foreshadowing. We'll be we'll be talking about our lists. In the coming weeks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. indeed. For for now, let's let's talk about some other stuff we've been watching on the watch list. Uh, so, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I uh, I watched a documentary. This was unfortunately it's not available anymore, but it was available for a short period of time on Festival Scope. You know their their free website, not mm-hmm. the Festival Scope Pro, but the free one. So I had a selection of uh, some documentaries and I was able to check out uh, Sophia Bodanowitz's uh, Maison du Bonheur, which is, it's uh, shot on 16 millimeter. Now, I found out some interesting things after seeing this movie. Thoroughly enjoyed it while watching it, but I found out some things through uh, reading an interview that she did with uh, Justine Smith and this, she got this, essentially this Bolex off of eBay, right? And in the film, there's kind of like this footage of her like packing up for this trip that she's taking to Paris and she's going to be staying with a, a friend, a friend's family member. And she's talking about how she's going to make a documentary there when she's there. And she's not really sure what she's going to make. She hasn't figured it out yet. She's just kind of, she's going to see what happens, going to play it by ear when she gets there. So what you find out in the interview is that was essentially like test footage to mm-hmm. make sure that the Bolex is working and everything, but she wasn't able to get that footage processed in time. So essentially when she goes to Paris and she's shooting this entire documentary, she has no idea if any of this is usable. Mm-hmm. So she gets there, she, she, you know, ends up making, she's, living with this this woman who's the the subject of her documentary uh julianne and she just decides to kind of like document her and then essentially what happens is she kind of becomes like a collaborator with her where each day they they focus on like a facet of her life so they just decide like what do you want to shoot about and she'll say you know like her makeup routine or her water and her flowers or talking about her career as an astrologer and all this stuff. So it's all these like little vignettes. I think there's about 30 of them of just, you know, big and small, uh, it's insignificant, significant stuff. And just kind of all pieced together like that to kind of give you this kind of like a profile of this person, which to me is just, it worked perfectly. Hmm. I thought. Definitely, if you get a chance, check it out. It's only like 62 minutes long, but breezy. Just a feel-good documentary because Julianne, the woman at the center that it's about, she's just such a nice person. Like, it's just all nice stuff. And it's kind of nice to just see a documentary about just 
an everyday person that's really nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, so you wrote a full review for this on the site, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's up on the site right now. You can check that out. Uh, what's the name again? Maison du Bonaire. Yeah. All right. So I would say just keep a lookout for yeah. that one for when it when it hits VOD platforms. I saw the lure. Ooh, okay. Now I'm really interested in this one. So this is an odd one. Uh, Polish. It's a Polish film that is a fantasy horror musical about mm-hmm. two mermaid sisters who are found and recruited into this nightclub act where they sing and dance and strip and become mermaids because they can take human form but as soon as they get wet they turn back into like they grow the tails back yeah and they also eat people okay so they do they do eat people mm-hmm. uh they're very carnivorous they can communicate with each other sort of telepathically it's like this uh they communicate sort of the same way that dolphins do like this this sort of like sonar system this just sounds incredible <laughs> it is so weird man uh i don't even know how to I don't even know how. So I'm not a big musical guy. I don't. I don't like most musicals that I see. This one is the exception. I really enjoyed this one. It's just way too out there and too weird for me to not be into it. It's it's so bizarre. Uh, the a lot of the music sequences are some are sort of grounded in reality in that they're actually the musical performances that they're doing on stage. And then some of them are, are more, you know, musical esque where just all of a sudden they're breaking out into song. However, they all sort of start from some space in reality, you know, like they put on a song, like a record and then they start singing and that's what, turns it into the big musical number. So there's always like something that happens in the environment that causes the the music to occur, which I, I guess I like that more than just nonstop sing song. Cause that drives me crazy. This isn't one of those musicals where it's nonstop music. Uh, I think that's another thing that, that put it, put, put it uh, in my favor. I think it also helps that it's mermaids that eat people. Yeah, uh, it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's just, I, I can't say it enough how weird this this movie is. But the music's actually really good, and I enjoyed a lot of the a lot of the um, performances. And the the story is so strange that I was kind of instantly hooked by it. Yeah. And it looks awesome too, like visuals in this really kind of trippy, excellent camera work. It feels almost like a Gaspar No style movie where like the camera is just all over the place and they're doing, they're throwing all kinds of tricks in there. 
but it's not obnoxious like a lot of his movies are. Yeah, where it's kind of like a kind of show offy. Yeah, a lot of it feels more like a music video than you know some sort of avant garde <laughs> attempt at style. I just keep reading the synopsis, and it's oh man. Yeah, I would highly well, recommend this. This is on the Criterion Collection as well. One of the more strange additions to the Criterion Collection, but after so seeing it, I'm just like, all right, yeah, I can see it. I see. I like when they do this because usually with me with the Criterion's when they do the like the contemporary picks, they're always kind of I want to say safe. Well, it's always the you same. Know, it's, it's always the yeah. same people. It's like yeah, the true. the Noah Bombacks and that's true. They, they always pick the same people for their their contemporary it's club. Just, it's finally like, oh my god, what something else? I I mean. You can't say that this isn't a completely original movie. <laughs> when you see it, you're just like, okay, well, there's nothing like this. There's no, You will never see a movie like this. Yeah. I just wonder if you think it's going to usher in some sort of um, mermaid musical people eating genre? Absol- absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is way too out there for most people. For like okay. for the general movie going public... This is not for them. Not gonna happen. No, because it's it is violent. Uh, there's a lot of nudity. It's very adult, <laughs> but it's just it's so weird and amazing and wonderful, and it looks so awesome. And uh, the music is great. I highly recommend it. Just check out the lore if you can. If you can get it on the Criterion Blu-ray, uh, that that's how I would recommend seeing it because uh, it is such a visual movie yeah <clears throat> all right that's exciting uh i saw a uh, personal shopper mm. the latest okay. from uh olivier uh Asseus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i was kind of surprised by how ghosty this movie is like i i didn't know it was gonna be like there's actual ghost in it i knew that th- i knew that there was a ghost element I, knew I didn't know how heavy. Yeah. No, there's like ectoplasm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which kind of caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, shit. We're d- okay. Cool. Let's do it. Um, and then there's just this long chunk in the mid. This is kind of like the centerpiece of the entire movie is Chris Stewart's character is she's trying to contact her recently deceased brother. Okay. He was a medium. She thinks that she might be. So she's kind of waiting for a sign from him. And uh, a big chunk of it is her receiving some text messages. And so this takes up a large portion of the movie. And it works and it doesn't work. And, one, and the way that it does work is that it's impressive because at this point in time for a large chunk of it is just Kristen Stewart essentially co-starring with her phone and just sending and receiving text messages, which the way in which she's able to, to take the film onto her shoulders and just absolutely crush it during this section is just unbelievably impressive. Like the initial one, she first gets uh, text messages. She's like getting on a train 
and just everything that like you see her go through acting wise it's just incredible and and honestly i don't know if there's anyone better right now that portrays uneasiness like she does yeah uh, she's like one of the best fidgeters mm-hmm. yeah because right she, like, she's always been like that even in her early roles she's been a little like kind of nervous and yeah twitchy and just like her hands shaking and she's receiving these messages and sending them and it's it's incredible but the, the, the reason that it doesn't kind of work is well at least for me is that immediately from the outset like this whole thing was transparent to me and it was just like okay this is on a narrative level it's not working at all because there's you know where it ends up going and there's the twist and everything it's just it none of it worked for me and uh it seems to try and get into some things with the afterlife and like her wanting to be a different person and all this stuff and I I just man it just felt really thin to me it, it, they just don't they don't really explore anything and it mm. just all kind of falls apart but again it's one of those things where her performance is unbelievable huge reason to watch it everything else is just kind of eh. okay that's personal shopper Another big one that's that I uh, that I'm seeing pop up on a lot of lists. Uh, yeah, I saw Mudbound, okay, by D. Reese. I, I don't have a whole lot to add from what you said. Uh, when was that? Last week or the week before? Yeah. Um, this I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I didn't think it was anything amazing or special. I thought that the performances were great. Uh, which is, you know, Garrett Hedlund, I haven't seen him in anything that, like, he hasn't really blown me away yet. And and this movie, I thought he really, I thought he really knocked it out of the park. Um, Same with uh, Jason Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he, I thought he was, was, uh, was really incredible. Uh, looks wise, I thought that the movie looked inc- really, really nice. Uh, cinematography, I thought, was really good in this. But other than that, I, I don't have a lot to say. It's, I think that it is worth a look, especially because it's on Netflix. Yeah. And I, I think that it's an important film. I think that it's one of these movies that, that, should be seen by as many people as possible. But other than that, I just thought it was kind of average. Yeah. It's kind of fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of negative criticism with it, but there wasn't anything that really kind of blew me away. Yeah. I definitely hear you with that. That's kind of what I felt about it too. Especially the, like the further the further away I get from it, you know, the more space that's generated between when I saw it, you know. Yeah, a lot of voiceover in it that did, didn't really. <laughs> I thought that some of it was insufferable. Yes, yes, I kind of forgot about that when I mentioned it last week, which is odd because that's usually the first thing out of my mouth. Yeah, just mentioning that, but yeah, that was bad. <laughs> That was really bad. 
Uh, but anyway, that's Mudbound. It's on Netflix, and I, I would recommend giving it a look for sure. And I'm, I'm kind of noticing that trend too, where there's a lot of movies that we're talking about where really solid performances just found inside of average mediocre movies. Yeah, yeah. This was this was a an interesting year for performances. I thought there were a lot of really great performances this year. Uh, another one I saw is Snowy Bing Bongs Across the North Star Combat Zone. Yeah, I gave this a look too. This that's a fun title to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just just saying Snowy Bing Bongs <laughs> alone makes it fun. I I'm essentially finding excuses to say bing bongs mm-hmm. and especially snowy bing bongs i don't know there's just something about adding the snowy wasn't the that wasn't that the name of the character in uh bing bong inside out i think you might be right bing bong i'm pretty sure that i'm pretty sure that out. was the name of the character in inside out what? the imaginary yeah, friend because i kept yeah i think it is I kept wondering, well, like, why does Bing Bong sound familiar to me? Yeah, that's him. This has nothing to do with that, by the way. <laughs> no, it's not. It has nothing to do with Richard Kind's Bing Bong elephant, whatever he is. Uh, Snowy Bing Bongs, as you can kind of guess or imagine from the title, it's ridiculous. It's just absolutely absurd. And it's just four, 40 minutes of just outright ridiculous. Just random. It's almost like it's it's structured sort of like a like a sketch show where you just have these not really like very loosely connected vignettes that, that sort of just happen one by yeah. one. So you have like the th- each each you know, it's a uh, cocoon central you know dance team three women so each each one gets like their own little black and white vignette and then you have the the through line of that is i guess they're the ping pongs i don't know if they are or not but well they are be- i think they are because there was that one sequence where they did the performance and then they had the q oh, a yeah. afterwards so i, I yeah. think that's what it is where they have their weird like a white fur rug get up thingy mm-hmm. that they dance yeah, in. Yeah. And then also at other times they exist as animated I don't know, sheep eating crystal. I don't know. It's just a lot of ridiculousness going on here. Uh, but the one thing that I did, and I'll, I'll always appreciate this, is just the ridiculous, uh, the, the, the creativity, the DIY, you know, production mm-hmm. design to it which I thought was fantastic. I enjoyed it. The animation and the, you know, the solar systems mm-hmm. and the, wherever they're living with all the fluffy, I guess, snow and beach balls. There's the whole thing with beach balls are attacking them. I think that's what's happening. Yeah. They're under, they're under attack by beach balls. I'm not sure how it fits in with, the scene that happens earlier in the film where the three of them are kind of like sunbathing. Yeah. Cause that had beach balls. 
So I don't know if that threw them back into the Ice Age. Right. That's what I'm wondering. Like, if if that's what they were before, and then the beach balls hit, and then that turned their planet into a snow. Could very well be. They were facing extinction almost. Got thrust back into the ice age. They're now snowy ping pong. I don't. It, I. I don't know. I know. As I know, is it's just absurd. So they were regular bing bongs first, and then after the ice age hit, they were the snowy. Bing the, yeah, bongs. The, yes. 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 I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Think. Uh, it's an interesting watch. I'll give it. <laughs> I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I will definitely second the interesting, and that's a like a hard emphasis on the interesting. Yeah, I also found it enjoyable. I thought it was a fun watch, you know, forty minute, and it's been the kind of a like for me, the this year is in terms of like comedies, just the outright absurd comedies. There's been like nothing. There's just not a lot of comedies this year. It doesn't seem like no. There's not a lot of comedies. Period. Yeah. You have you have Silvio, you have, I mean, the disaster artist, which I enjoyed, which not is not that, you know, yeah. absurdist really, but yeah. but this was just like we're just we're having a good time, we're just gonna be off the wall, humorous for forty minutes, and it was just kind of refreshing to get that. There were, there were a number of like, there weren't a lot of comedies, but the ones that came out, I thought were, there were some really creative ones like Brigsby Bear, for instance, I thought was, uh, that was like a creative comedy. Yeah. You don't, you okay. don't have your typical kind of Judd Apatow style comedies and just, you know, you had some of those, but it wasn't like an onslaught. Yeah. Hmm. Need more of that. More of those, those, uh. DIY creativity comedies. Yeah. I mean, I think Dave Made a Maze might qualify as one of those. Yeah, it's, on, it's in there. It's in that vein. At any rate, Snowy Bing Bongs is available on... Uh, it's, it's for free. It's on... What site is that? Topic. 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 Which I've never heard of before. Yeah, it's on Topic, so you can check it out. We have a link to that on the site, so we just... Head over to the site. There'll be a link to it on there. I saw a documentary called Voyeur. Okay. This is a Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary uh, about the, uh, this, this um, famous journalist um, named Gay Talese. He was working on this story for the last 40 years. So 40 years ago, he, received a letter from this guy who said that he was, he owned this motel in Colorado. And when he bought the motel, he installed a platform that went above every room in the motel. And he had vents put in so that he could secretly go into this sort of crawl space in the attic and spy on every guest at the hotel okay and what he did was he he did that and he kept these sort of meticulous journals about everything that he saw 
in in his time at this motel, which he owned for like decades. And the documentary is about the the fact that uh, the guy reached out to um, Gay Talese and said, you know, it's been 40 years. I'm ready to come forward. I'm ready to like have my name be printed and have this information be printed. So basically they, he, they, they decide to write a book and they have a deal with the New Yorker. There's going to be a, a piece in the New Yorker about it. And this, this whole story is going to like, come out and he's going to be exposed. And so the documentary follows gay Talese putting together the story, but it also follows the guy's name's Gerald Foose and sort of his, they interview him, but it's also just kind of follows him around as he sort of mentally prepares for this story to, to drop. Uh, And it goes to some really interesting places. You find out that, Maybe some of the things that he said weren't necessarily true. Maybe he fibbed on some of the some of the facts, and it calls a lot of things into question. And it's so it's it's really interesting. They the the motel's not there anymore, so it's, so they weren't really able to like shoot B roll or anything at the motel. So what they did was they actually built uh, scale models of the hotel or the motel. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know who they got to do it, but it was like incredibly detailed. So they use these like super detailed scale models of this motel to sort of give us a visual. And that, that was a great decision. Hmm. On the other hand, the, the film itself, not great. I like, I, I was just like, okay, yeah, there, there were moments where the the filmmakers would sort of confront either Gerald or uh, Gay Talese about some some things, but being a, a journalist for decades, he he would just sort of shut things down and and not allow anything to be pushed further. So there were like. A lot of things where, as I was watching it, I was feeling like, I feel like the filmmaker should be pushing pushing harder on this or trying to get some more answers, like not accept some of the answers that are being given. But it was still a pretty interesting watch nonetheless. Yeah. Again, that's called Voyeur and that's on Netflix. Okay, I'll I'll just mention one more. Uh, this is also on Netflix, and it's called Noct- Noctur- Noctorama. Ooh, I've been wanting to see this one. Yeah, so this is, this is a French film uh, directed by Bertrand Bonello. It's, it's about a group of sort of disaffected youths that decide to carry out a terrorist attack on Paris. And... They do. It's not a spoiler to say that they do it. Um, they set off bombs in Paris, and the 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 bulk of the film, the film is really sort of two sections. One is them carrying out the plan, and the second is them hiding out in a 
a closed department store waiting for the heat to cool down until they mm-hmm. can go home. And man, this movie, it's fantastic. It At first, I thought that the whole movie was going to be them just carrying out this plan because it, it's long. Like they, mm-hmm. I mean, it follows them every step of the way. And it's so interesting because the film is presented completely out of order. So you have to be paying attention to the time. Like it'll show the time up on the screen. So like they'll show, cause it's a bunch of characters. It's like what, maybe eight characters. Mm-hmm. And so they're all doing things simultaneously. So they'll cut, so it'll be like 2.30, and they'll show what two people are doing. And then it'll cut to the, it'll still be 2.30, and this other character will be doing something. And then they'll show something that happens a little bit later, but then they'll cut back to 2.30 and show what these other people are doing during that time. So... It's got a really interesting structure about it. Even even when they're hiding out in the department store, it's like a huge department store. It's got like multiple levels. And after they all meet up there, they sort of split up. And during this time when they're waiting, they have to wait there for like 10 hours or something. Or probably even longer. I think it was like 12 hours. Um, it, it does the same thing where it'll sort of rewind time. And then we see what this other character is up to during these moments. So everything is very meticulous as far as the timing of the film. And uh, as far as like editing goes, it was pretty impressive to see how this was all, because there's certain scenes where other characters are in the background doing the same thing that you saw them do previously. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like they'll they'll be doing yeah. their thing. We we already saw that, but then now now we're spending time with this other character, and it was just really impressive. Uh, it drags. There's there there are a few moments after they get to the department store where it definitely drags, and you're just like, all right, let's something needs to happen here because they're just hanging around doing nothing. It's, it's sort of like turns into uh, Dawn of the dead where they're just playing around in a department store, trying on clothes and eating food and like drinking and playing music and dancing and stuff. And it's just like really nothing's going on Yeah, and you start to feel it, but it, it does pick up quite a bit after that. And the, the planning part of it, or, or like them, because it does flash back also, so that you do see them sort of sort of planning it. Although one interesting thing is they never really say why they're doing this. Like it just the movie starts with them carrying out the plot, and then it will sometimes jump all the way back to before they make this plan, like when they're first meeting up. So. It's really interesting in in that regard. But I I love the amount of time that they spent on following them as they were carrying out this this plan because it's so long and I thought to myself like I kind of hope the whole movie is just them doing this because I think that'd be an interesting idea for a movie where it's just straight like 2 hours of them carrying out a plan. 
because I saw Logan Lucky also this week, and I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'd like to see a movie where the whole thing is just them carrying out a plan. <laughs> In real time. Yeah. Real time, just doing the plan. Someone's well, going to do it. This is almost in in real time, the way that they do things. It's it's really, it's really something. Uh, but anyway, I would highly recommend. It's called Nocturama, and it's on Netflix Instant, so you can give it a look. And it is definitely going to be well worth your time. I know that uh, one of our writers, Ken, it's his number one movie of the year. Okay, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure he said that there's not going to be anything that's going to be able to knock it down so it's quite impressive okay good good yeah that's on my catch-up list yeah i think you should definitely put it on your on your catch-up list because i was surprised at how much i I really enjoyed that one and it looks awesome too shot shot on film looks gorgeous uh all right let's move on and talk about some of uh what's coming out in theaters this week really just one big one. We got Star Wars. Star Wars The Last Jedi coming out this week. Oh, shit. Are you pumped? Are you excited? I didn't know that was... I thought that was later. No. Nope. That's this weekend? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. You saw the last one, didn't you? Did you Did you see yeah. The Force Awakens? I did. So I'm pretty excited for this one. Yeah. uh, uh, Some early buzz has been hitting the social medias on this one. People are saying that it's just, it's incredible. It's like one of the best Star Wars movies ever. I've been trying to avoid a lot of, a lot of the talk because I want to go into it as, as cold as possible, but I'm, I'm beyond excited for this one. Speaking of which, just today, we're recording this on Sunday, they released a new trailer for uh, Ready Player One today. Man, that movie looks bad. Oh, boy. Like, the first trailer that they released, I was a little hesitant. I was like, I don't know about this one. And So they released a new one today, and it does not look good. And I was a big fan of the, the book. I don't know, man. All right, also in theaters this week, we have Ferdinand. It's an animated movie that I I got a couple emails about it, but I have literally seen no trailers or anything for it, so <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Gotti was supposed to come out this weekend, but I read that that was pulled, so don't expect to see that one. Huh. All right. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know what's going on with that. The Ballad of Lefty Brown is coming out. That's that uh, Western with Bill Pullman. Doesn't look great. Beyond Skyline is coming out. Now, this is an interesting one. So, we had Ryan watch Skyline quite a while ago for Ryan Watch's movie. I don't know if you remember the original one. It was sort of this like kind of bad sci-fi movie. It looked, looked dreadfully average. But this one sort of interests me because it's uh, it stars Frank Grillo, who I, I like. I like him, but it also but it co-stars uh, Iku Iko 
Weiss from the raid. And from what I understand, it takes place <laughs> in Southeast Asia. And it's like a lot different than the than the first skyline. Like this one is more of this kind of bloody action horror movie. <laughs> so I'm actually kind of interested in this one. I guess I might have to see the first skyline. I never saw the original one. <laughs> nah, I do it without seeing it. I probably could, and I probably I very well may. <laughs> Uh, we also have Bird Boy, The Forgotten Children. It's an animated one. Seems like something you'd be into. The odd looking. Does kind of look like my jam. Yeah. Hey, jumping, jumping to conclusions. Judging a book by its cover. Oh, it definitely looks like your kind of art style. Yeah. Now I might be watching Bird Boy the Forgotten Children. Jesus. <laughs> what a turn. What a turn. Uh, we also have Permanent. It's a comedy starring Patricia Arquette and Rain Wilson. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, no, nah, it doesn't look very good. Desolation. That's a horror movie that, for some reason, I thought that came out a really long time ago. I'm not sure what's up with that. It's not very good, and I wouldn't recommend it. And... Wormwood. That's the Errol Morris documentary, mm, okay. which I will be giving that a look. Yeah, that's a six-parter. So strap in for that one, folks. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so VOD this week we have Wormwood. That'll be on Netflix. So give it a look. We got Love and Saucers. This comes out on the 12th. That's a documentary about some guy who claims to have been abducted by aliens on multiple occasions and I guess fell in love with one of them and had sex with one of them. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We also have Permanent, which is... uh, That's the one with... Patricia Arquette that I like I said the name I said the name literally like two minutes ago and I already forgot (laughs) I'm like oh permanent what's that (laughs) it's literally the movie I just mentioned Uh, blu-ray blu-ray this week we have Kingsman the Golden Circle uh I still haven't seen that I'll have to give that a look Detroit I forgot all about that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it came out the end of last year, didn't it? No, that was this year. What? Yeah, that came out in like August too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. Luke Cage, the complete first season is going to be out on Blu-ray. House from 1985. Arrow's putting that out. I'm a big fan of how uh-huh. the house series, so we'll check that out. Not not the uh, Japanese one. No, I feel like we've already, we've done this like three or four times. The house, the house yeah. movies. Yeah, I feel like that movie gets released a lot. Because I'm pretty sure this is like deja vu. Because I'm usually like, is it the Jap? And you're like, nope, it's not the Japanese one. one <laughs> yeah, thing. I remember really? having yes. Well, House Two, the second story, also comes out. Arrow's releasing that. 
We have Home Again. That's the one with uh, Reese Witherspoon. Looks pretty bad. The Trip to Spain, which I didn't talk about on the show. I, I saw that a couple weeks back, and it's decent. If you're into the trip and the trip to Italy, I think yeah. you'll enjoy the trip to Spain because it's the exact same. It's more the yeah. same. Yeah. England is mine. I think that's the uh, I think that's the biopic about Morrissey. I think that's the one. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Um, I heard that wasn't very good. We have a review for that up. Uh, that's pretty much it. What do we have on Criterion this week? We got we got three of them. All right. So we got the big box set, which is the complete Monterey Pop Festival, coming out on the uh, on the Blu-ray. So three disker in all of them. Um, else we got we got Election, mm-hmm. 1999's Election from Alexander Payne, Matthew Broderick and Reese Witherspoon. Great movie. And we also I haven't. I'm going to have to revisit that one. It's been ages since I've seen it. And then the uh, the documentary General Idi Amin Dada, a self-portrait from uh, 1974. We're just getting a re-release on the Blu-ray. Ah, very nice. Very nice. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net. And at Film Pulse Kevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Film Pulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.